Hello there, and oh, that was a bit Obi Wan Kenobi, wasn't it? Um, hello, and welcome to my Brooklyn Cop podcast. Um, today, we're going to talk about Norman McCaig's Brooklyn Cop, which um, is one of the six Norman McCaig Scottish text poems. Now, I know from working with quite a lot of fourth and fifth year pupils this year that all of you that are doing Norman McCaig have studied Brooklyn Cop in class which means there is a possibility that Brooklyn Cop could come up in either the National Five or higher prelim, or both. Um, obviously, at this point, it's impossible to say. So, yeah, so we're just going to talk about Brooklyn Cop. We're going to go through it, stanza by stanza, talk about some of the sort of things that you might get asked about in the Scottish text questions, and we'll look at some of the themes of the poem. Now, the poem itself focuses on this one unnamed Brooklyn Cop, this police officer who works on the streets of Brooklyn and we learn through the poem that he is quite an imposing and strong perhaps you could even say threatening character but we also see that he has a vulnerable and human side um, this is especially obvious when we see how he talks to his wife when he comes home from work and he says goodbye and these exchanges with his wife help to underline the the real seriousness of the danger that he faces on a daily basis. Now, the poem is not just about the character of the cop, even though it is mostly about the character of the cop. It has deeper themes than this. It concerns the dangerous and violent world that police officers in New York, or anywhere in the world for that matter, must face. And by comparing the cop to a threatening animal, which he does several times, um, and as a vulnerable human being, McCaig is questioning how civilised modern society actually is. Um, and the poem also kind of hints towards the dehumanising nature of violence. Okay, so we're going to just dump, we're going to dump, no we're not going to dump, that would be disgusting, we're going to jump, without dumping, uh, into stanza one. Okay, so we're going to go through it stanza by stanza. We'll take a wee break uh, once we get to the end of stanza one and uh, we're just going to go through each bit and look at some of the things that he talks about and some of the language that he uses. So in the first stanza, well, I'll, I'll read you stanza one just so that you can hear me reading it. I'll read the whole thing. So built like a gorilla but less timid, thick-fleshed, steak-coloured, with two hieroglyphs in his face that mean trouble. He walks the sidewalk and the thin tissue over violence. This morning, when he said, See ya, babe, to his wife, he hoped it, he truly hoped it. He is a gorilla to whom hiya, honey, is no cliche. Do you like how I tried to do an American accent there? Very authentic. So yeah, in this first stanza, McCaig creates a kind of exaggerated, hyperbolic, if you want to use that fancy word, um, image of an American police officer. The physical description and the phrases that he uses suggest a kind of stereotypical image from like a film or a TV show about cops. Um, but at the same time, he's also hinting at the human being behind this image. So he opens, McCaig opens the poem with this simile, built like a gorilla, but less timid. The simile is used to demonstrate the physical 
potential of the police officer. We are immediately, instantly given the impression of a very imposing figure who is quite the formidable presence. Um, you know, he's immediately been compared to an animal, a gorilla, a big, scary, wild animal. So the idea, this is another thing, the idea of a gorilla in New York might make you think of the film King Kong, right? This giant gorilla who rampages through the streets of New York causing mass carnage. And it maybe makes you think, ooh, is the police, is he a similar type of monster to King Kong? Um, that's just something to think about. Um, so yeah, despite the fact that his physical nature, sorry, his physical stature is like a gorilla, McCaig also says that he is less timid than a gorilla. So this shows a man who is tough and perhaps brave because gorillas, they can be timid. Now, timid means kind of shy and sort of retiring. While gorillas can be timid, they are more generally seen as violent and threatening creatures. So McCaig's tone could be, it could be a joke suggesting that the cop is even less timid than a not very timid creature like a gorilla. And that would give us the idea that this is a guy who is capable of severe violence and brutality. So he's, he's like a gorilla, only less timid. And we know gorillas aren't really that timid. Their personality-wise, they are. They're not social creatures. They don't go to dinner parties and things like that. But um, they are quite big and wild and violent. So to, to, to say that the cop is less timid than a gorilla shows us how um, rough and scary he can actually be. Then it moves on to talk about his skin, right? It talks about him being thick-fleshed, steak-coloured. So this makes us think that he's tough on the inside too. Not only does he look tough, but he's tough on the inside because steak is quite a tough meat, isn't it? Um, so the word choice there is interesting. Talking about flesh and steak, it's comparing him to a piece of meat, something kind of raw and uncompromising. Um, and it's also like steak and flesh and all these kind of words, they've got connotations of blood and violence. Um, the idea of his, of his skin being kind of thick and steak-coloured, to me also suggests that he's been damaged by the sun that he has to put up with every day in New York. So by comparing the cop to a piece of meat, he's dehumanising him. He's already compared him to an animal, now he's comparing him to a piece of meat. So this adds up to this dehumanising image of the Brooklyn cop. Then we come to the reference of hieroglyphs, okay? This is open to interpretation. You know, it says... He has two hieroglyphs in his face that mean trouble. Now, some people would suggest it's talking about his eyes. Some people might say that it's talking about scars on his face. Um, we'll go with the eyes first, then we'll talk about the scars, because there are different ways of interpreting this. And this is the beauty of English, is that it is always open to interpretation. If you can justify what you're saying, you can interpret a poem or a story or a play pretty much any way you want, which is quite a good thing. So yeah, so the, the reference to hieroglyphs suggests that his eyes are difficult to read and his face looks like it's been carved in stone. Okay, hieroglyphs, in case you don't know this already, which I'm sure most of you do, these are pictures that were used as a form of language back in ancient Egyptian times. Um, each image would have a kind of specific meaning and they'd be etched usually onto stone because they didn't have paper back then. They wrote everything on stone. Um, so this presents the eyes as symbols that are difficult to read. 
Okay, so instead of his eyes showing the emotions that are going on inside him, like ours do, they only show one thing, and that is trouble. Okay, so it's the idea that his he's seen so much violence, he's seen so many things that he is almost emotionless in his eyes. He doesn't give any expression at all. But like I said, it could also suggest that he has scars on his face as well, which would tell us of the violent nature of his previous experiences. But the, the thing I think that McCaig's wanting you to realise is that he is unreadable. He doesn't have to show emotion. Perhaps he can't show emotion because if he does, that would be seen as a sign of weakness on the streets of Brooklyn. Um, but it's this idea that he's seen some bad stuff and it's changed him and he's now got no emotions when he's going through uh, his role as a cop on the streets. Um, then we've got another piece of imagery when McCaig talks about how the policeman walks the sidewalk and the thin tissue over violence. Now this imagery tells us that violence is never really far away in the streets that he has to patrol. Um, like a tissue, peace is fragile, delicate, and it can rip apart, it can shatter at any moment. Um, the thin tissue that he talks about also creates quite a strong contrast to the thick flesh of the cop, which is quite interesting. This perhaps suggests the importance of the cop in preventing the thin tissue of civilization from being ripped open into a state of disorder. So this allows us to understand how vital the cop is to society. He is literally, and metaphorically, the thin line that separates civilization from anarchy. Okay, so then we move on to the conversation with his wife. And this gives us an idea about the dangerous environment that the cop lives in or that he works in. Um, because it says, when he said, see you babe, to his wife, he hoped it. He truly hoped it. Now, the language the cop uses sounds... It's quite cliched and thoughtless. Cliched means it's something you hear all the time. Um, you know, like in a film or a TV programme or something like that. But the rest of this phrase shows the vulnerability that his role in society brings. The repetition of hoped it, he hoped it, he truly hoped it, goes some way to stress the danger of his environment. And it hints that the kind of desperation... And it contrasts with the casual dialogue between the policeman and his wife. Um, for the policeman saying, see ya, to his wife, it isn't just a meaningless, everyday comment, but it's a genuine wish. And the word choice of truly, and it says he truly hoped it, this adds authenticity to that. So we understand that he really, genuinely, truly hopes that he will see his wife again. So it's not just like when we go to work or we go to school or whatever, we go, bye, see ya. We don't really think anything of it because we just presume we're going to come back. But this guy, when he says, I truly hope I do see you again, it means that there is that doubt that um, he will come home alive or in one piece from his job, which is kind of scary. Um, and then the stanza ends with McCaig repeating the gorilla image from the opening line of the poem. Um, now, instead of using a simile, this time he uses a metaphor um, making the comparison stronger. Again, stressing the strength and the power. It says, he is a gorilla to whom higher honey is no cliche. So he is a gorilla. So by using a metaphor this time, which is a direct comparison, it makes the comparison even more powerful and strong. So yeah, so he ends the stanza by saying that to the policeman, higher honey is no cliche. 
for him, this is a genuine loving greeting to his wife and you get a sense of relief that he's really grateful to have made it home safely from his scary job and he's grateful for the solace and the sanctuary that can be found at home and all of this stanza basically that highlights the dangers lurking on the streets that he has to face regularly on his job. Okay, stanza two, thankfully, is a lot shorter. We'll go through stanza two now. Stanza two um, is, Should the tissue tear? Should he plunge through into violence? What clubbings, what gunshots between Phoebe's Wamburger and Louis's place? It's quite a short stanza, thankfully, after the first stanza. Um, so stanza two shows us how easily and quickly the cop could end up getting caught up in the violent chaos that's quite prevalent on the streets of Brooklyn. McCaig suggests that it would take very little for society to break down and crumble and that violence is basically a constant threat for the officer. So he extends the image of the tissue reflecting peace that he mentioned in the first stanza and he imagines the impact it might have should it break. Should the tissue tear? Should he plunge through into violence? What clubbings, what gunshots between Phoebe's Wamburger and Louis' place? This is a very long sentence, isn't it? The long sentence structure here uh, is used to reflect the various range of possibilities and challenges that the police officer might have to face at any given moment. The repetition of the word what, what clubbings, what gunshots suggests uncertainty, the possible violence the cop faces. It's completely unknown to him. Like, what clubbings? What gunshots? He, like, he doesn't know. Um, the repetition also demonstrates to the reader the severity of the violence that he has to face. It's, it's almost impressive. It's like, wow, what a lot of clubbings. What a lot of gunshots. Obviously, it's not impressive. It's not a good thing. But it is, uh, it's an impressive list. It's a lot. Um, now, the language that McCaig uses in this stanza at times helps to root the poem in New York. I mean, Norm McCaig is Scottish, but he's trying to pass this off as an authentic um, description of America. You've got words like Wamburger. That's got very American connotations. And when it talks about Louis' place, in America it's very common to hear buildings referred to as someone's place, um, like we see here. Now, these are not glamorous locations like you normally have in uh, films that are set in America. They sound quite cheap, even a wee bit dodgy and you suspect these might be places where the criminals like to hang out. Um, the word Wamburger implies violence. Wham, obviously Wham is a musical duo with George Michael and Andrew Ridgely but that's got nothing to do with that. The word Wham is a word that could be used, it's a kind of onomatopoeic word that's used to suggest the sound of a punch landing in like one of those old Batman programs. You've probably seen them, you know when Batman punches the Joker and a big cartoon word appears on the screen. Wham! Kapow! Splat! Wham is that kind of word. It's an onomatopoeic word that suggests violence. Um, okay, so yeah, McCaig's word choice in the stanza also emphasises the danger of the New York setting. Tear, when it talks about should the tissue tear. Tear suggests pain. It suggests 
injury, you know, when you tear your muscles, you tear your calf, tear suggests short, sharp, sudden pain or injury. And the alliteration of tissue tear creates a really quick phrase that implies a sudden act. Then you've got the word plunge, that also implies that violence can be very abrupt and uncontrollable. Um, so these words like tear and plunge, they allow us to appreciate how violence can suddenly break out and that this is a dark, unpredictable place for the cop to work where violence is always just around the corner and it can just come very suddenly and out of nowhere. <laughs> Okay, so now we come to stanzas three and four. Going to deal with them at the same time because it's quite short. Stanza three is, Who would be him, gorilla with a nightstick, whose home is a place he might this time never get back to? And then stanza four is, And who would be, who have to be, his victims? So in the third stanza, McCaig becomes a wee bit more reflective now and he asks the reader to put themselves in the shoes of the Brooklyn cop and the people he comes into contact with. Um, the unpleasant and undesirable challenges that he has to face are captured within the rhetorical question when he says, who would be him, gorilla with a nightstick, whose home is a place he might this time never get back to? So in the sentence, the nightstick it talks about, it talks about a gorilla with a nightstick. A nightstick refers to the baton that he carries. A baton's like a wee sort of wooden club. And this reinforces his vulnerability against the power of the clubbings and the gunshots that are referred to in the previous stanza. You know, it gives us this idea that, you know, he might be a big bruiser that's like a gorilla, but he still needs a weapon to say to stay safe. And that shows us how dangerous the streets must be for this big bruiser of a guy still to need a weapon, a gorilla with a nightstick. The nightstick also suggests a much more basic and direct physical violence than a gun might, you know, because you have to get more intimate and close to somebody to hit them with a nightstick. Um, and it, you can just imagine the cop beating somebody repeatedly with his nightstick, um, which again shows us the kind of brutality of the job that he does. Uh, so the rhetorical question that's asked there is designed to challenge the reader and make us consider whether or not we would be able to do his job, right? Who would be him? Like, who, like, would we, do we think we could survive such a difficult job? The poem then ends with another rhetorical question, with McCaig saying, or asking, and who would be, who have to be his victims? Now here, McCaig considers two points within the same question. What kind of people would mess with this big scary policeman? And what would they have to do for him to turn violent right when you've got the when it says who have to be his victims the word have suggests that although he's often faced with violence it might be a last resort for the policeman right he has no choice who would be who have to be his victims they have to be his victims because if they're not the policeman himself will end up getting hurt possibly killed the use of the word victims is very interesting here because McCaig is perhaps suggesting that someone who gets on the wrong side of the policeman will be the victim. It isn't just the cop who is at risk of violence. The cop himself can act violently, which is an interesting dichotomy. It's an interesting situation 
where you've got this violent policeman facing violent criminals and they're both, they can both potentially end up being victims of each other. So in the closing two stanzas, McCaig shifts from a kind of descriptive approach to a more reflective one where he's reflecting on the policeman. Having described the policeman and the challenges that he faces, the closing two stanzas are now reflecting on these. He's being a bit more thoughtful um, rather than just telling a story. Okay, so I'm, that, that, that'll do, I think. Uh, I'm quite happy with that. The poem then is basically about the theme of violence, about civilization, and the fact that there is a thin line between a civilized world and a savage world. And it makes us perhaps appreciate the work that the police do in our country, and in, especially in America where the criminals tend to have guns and a lot more weapons than our criminals have over in Scotland. But yeah, it makes us realise that we do live in a world where peace is a fragile thing. Okay, so when you're answering questions in the Scottish text exam, think about some of the things that I've talked about. Look through your notes. You'll have an hopefully you'll get annotated versions of this poem, and you should be able to analyse all the wee pieces of imagery and word choice that McKay uses throughout the poem. That's why the Scottish text part of the exam is pretty straightforward. It's like doing a very basic RUAE, but it's on a text that you've already read in class and you've already analysed and studied in class, so it shouldn't really present you with any more, uh, with any real difficulty. The hardest bit is obviously the last question, the eight marker or the ten marker, depending if you're doing that five or higher. That's when you have to compare the poem to other poems by Norm McCaig. Now this poem, this links very nicely with um, quite a few of the other poems that you've either studied or you will study. It links nicely to Hotel Room 12th Floor, which is also about violence in New York. It links quite nicely to Basking Shark, because that's about um, his encounter with an animal. And this is also about a, a man who's been compared to an animal, so there's some animal stuff going on in both those poems. Um, it's about a, a character, Brooklyn Cop. Most of the poems feature a character. Assisi is about a character. It's about several characters. Visiting her is about a character. Visiting a character. Aunt Julia is about a character. Missing another character. So you see, the poems do, despite not necessarily being about the same thing, they do relate to each other. So that's something for you to think about. So I will be back with some more Norman McCaig poetry later on in the week or maybe next week. Um, I know I've still got another four to get through. Um, although I, know, I don't think the classes have studied all six poems. So if I can limit it to do just three or four of these, that would be much better and a better use of my time and a better use of your time in terms of listening. Okay, so hopefully this has been useful. As I keep saying, if you want to follow me on Facebook, I have a Head Start English page on Facebook. You can send messages to that. You can tell your friends to like it. You can subscribe. You can follow me on Spotify. You can listen to me on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Basically, anywhere you can listen to podcasts, this is available. Um, and if there's any questions or anything you're not sure about with regards to the poems we've talked about or anything about the prelims that you're not sure about, send me a message, and if I can do that, if I've got time, I will reply. Okay. Anyway, I hope this has been, maybe not fun, because it's about a brutal policeman who beats people up, but hopefully this has been um, illuminating and interesting, and it's improved your knowledge of the poem. And I will see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>